Okay, so this morning I am going to be teaching on the goodness of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, the goodness of God. The goodness of God. Okay, now God is a good father. God is a good father. That is the essence of who he is. And father is nurturer, sustainer. Um, he's the source. He's the originator. Um, that is who a father is. And good is good. If I look at the Hebrew and I look at the Greek of good, it literally means good. And we'll unpack that a bit later. But if I say to many of us, God is a good father, a lot of us, can you picture that? Who do you think of? If I say God is a good father, who do you think of? You think of your dad, you think of maybe an uncle, a grandfather, you think of um, some type of authority in your life, maybe a spiritual authority, maybe a headmaster, maybe a teacher, maybe your boss, but you think of an authority figure. And I can guarantee you one thing in common of all of those pictures that every single one of you have in your mind, and you know what that is? That person is flawed. And some will be more flawed than others. Like by flawed, I mean has imperfections because there's no one who's perfect. So your picture of God with the picture that you have of that person in your mind is flawed. And that is a problem that we have in the body of Christ. That is a problem that many of us have. You know, there's a, a guy called Blaise Pascal and he said, God made man in his image and man returned the compliment. God made man in his image, and man returned the compliment. What is he saying? He's saying that he made us in his image, but we, we don't go to the word of God to explore who he really is. We don't know who he really is apart from our experience. Many of us define God, and many of us have a picture and a concept of God based on our experiences, based on people we've experienced hurts from. Amen. So if I say to you, God is a good Father, most of us won't have an accurate picture of who God is. And so that's the challenge that we have. Often we um, lower our expectations, we lower our theology to be at the same level of our experience because we don't know what else to do. And this morning, I basically want to challenge us. I want to challenge all of us to say, we can't base our image of God. We can't base our expectation of the nature of God. We can't base our expectations uh, concerning our walk with God based on our experience, current or past. We have to base it on the word. Amen. Okay, so most of us haven't had good role models or good experiences in terms of father figures or authority figures. So if I say God is a good father, it doesn't really help a lot of us. But we also have to remember that our view of God doesn't change who and how God is. So I can believe that God is this and God is that, but it doesn't change who he is. And I want to I wanna find out who he really is. Amen. I want to find out what the word says. And I want to elevate my experience to what the word says. I want to read you an excerpt from a Bill Johnson book entitled, the Goodness, entitled God is Good, He's Better Than You Think. He says this, If I were to do to my children what many people think God does to his children, I'd be arrested for child abuse. Are you listening? You're very quiet. People say God is good, yet they credit him with causing cancer, causing natural disasters, and even blame him for terrorist activities. Have you done that before? Some try to escape the pain of such shameful reasoning by stating God allowed it instead of God caused it. 
In my way of thinking, there's little to no difference. If I abuse my children or if I allow or approve a neighbor to abuse my children, it's obvious I have a serious problem. Not so. Okay? And when we, when we sweep this abusive misdeed under the carpet called God works in mysterious ways, we add insult to injury. There is a common thought among many that God causes or allows evil to take place so he can display his mercy. That would be like me breaking my child's arm to show my ability to give him comfort and then using my skills to reset the broken bone. But that's how people view God. People ask me, well, what about Job? My response is, what about Jesus? I love that. People say, what about the Old Testament? He says, well, what about Jesus? Jesus is the standard of God's heart. And can any of you in the New Testament think about an instance where someone came to be healed by Jesus and Jesus said to him, um, sorry, you need that sickness to teach you something. Can you, think of any, can you think of an instance? Sorry, I can't heal you because you were evil yesterday. And God doesn't heal people like that. But some of us think like that in our heads. Hey, sorry, I can't heal you today. You've got 20 years of more lessons to learn to make you holy. You know? But some people think like that today. Did Jesus do that? No. And Jesus is a picture of the heart of God. And I'm wanting to look at the Word today quite extensively because the Word is the ultimate authority in our lives. Amen. The Word is the ultimate authority in terms of who God is, and it doesn't change. And I love how God describes himself. Do you want to hear how he describes himself? Exodus 34, verse 5 to 6, the Lord descends in the cloud and stands with Moses and passes before Moses and says, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. So God describes himself as abounding in goodness and truth. That is so much that it overflows, abounding. There's more than enough. It overflows. And that word for goodness, in case some of us think that, well, goodness is just partly good. There's, there's just, just enough goodness to override the evil, just because some people think like that. No, goodness in the Hebrew means kindness. It means beauty. It means favor. It means a good deed. It means mercy, mercy pity. And merciful, that's what it means. It means goodness, mercy, favor, all those good things. There's no evil in it. Amen. So he's abounding in goodness, and that's how he describes himself. And the interesting thing that I see in Psalms, if you look at Psalms 31 verse 19, it says, Oh, how great is your goodness, Lord, which you have laid up for those who fear you. How great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you. So God lays up and prepares goodness for those of us who trust him. He prepares goodness. Isn't that awesome? Okay? And that word goodness, just in case some of you think that it's just, just enough goodness to override the evil, that word goodness, which is a different word to the previous word, it means good in the widest sense, especially goodness, beauty, gladness, welfare, goodness, joy, fairness, to go well with. It means all those good things, okay? I don't see bad things in there. Okay, so he prepares. He is good. He abounds in goodness, and he prepares goodness for those of us who trust in him. 
Okay, so God is good. He has good things prepared for those of us who trust in him. Now, as I'm saying that, some of you might think, well, well, that's great, but that's not my experience totally. Some of you will think that, right? Come on. You're looking at me like I can't answer that truthfully because she thinks she'll think I'm a heathen. No, our experience doesn't always match up with that, right? Okay, but just because my experience doesn't match up with the Word of God. Do I go with my experience or do I go with the Word of God? Sorry? Word of God. Okay, why? Because we live in a sinful world. We live in a fallen world, so bad things happen. Okay? Bad things happen. When God created the earth, He ceded authority, He gave authority to Adam and Eve. Why? Why did He do that? Because love needs a choice to be true love, doesn't it? If I force you to love me, is that love? No. If I force you to obey me, is that really obedience? So obedience and love need choices to be obedience and love. So God gave Adam and Eve a choice to obey. He gave them a choice to love him. And he already knew what they were going to do. But they choose to, chose to disobey. And when they chose to disobey, they opened the door for sin and bad things to come into the world. So God is not the originator of sin and bad things. It's Adam and Eve and what they did that, in open, that then opened the door to that. So that is why there is evil in the world. And for us to believe that God is good, but he also brings evil, like he's the originator of good and of evil, that, that's, you can't have good and evil in the same God unless you're a pantheist. Okay? But that, that whole thing is contrary to a biblical worldview. So sin entered the world. That's why there's evil and bad things that happen in the world. And we have to stand on the word and walk on God's promises and say, no, we, we, we're not accepting this. We're going to keep on standing. We're going to keep on trusting you for this or for that or for that until we see a manifestation of your goodness in our lives. Like I've said before, if we pray for 100 people and only 20 people get healed, do we throw in the towel and say, Lord, only 20 got healed. What's wrong with you? 80 didn't get healed. Do we do that? No, we don't. What do we do? We keep trusting God. So next time, maybe 30 will get healed. Next time, maybe 35. And we keep on because the error is not with God. The error is with us. Amen. Because God is good. God is a healer. God does not send sickness for a reason to discipline, to instruct, to make us holy. God doesn't bring evil into our lives, okay? God doesn't do that. God is good. There is no evil within him. I have another quote here from Bill Johnson. He says, there is a devastating view of God causing evil, that is, um, that it, and it compromises our ability to discern the difference between God's discipline and a demonic assault. Sorry, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. There's a devastating view of God causing evil that ultimately compromises our ability to discern the difference between God's discipline and a demonic assault. How many of you, you rebuking the devil, but you, don't, or, but you don't quite know, is this the devil or is this God? Okay, we need to know the difference, amen. Or we accept it as discipline from God. Meanwhile, it's a, demon, a, a demonic spirit sent to afflict us. We have to know the difference. Okay, People constantly embrace a hellish situation in their lives because of the thought that God intended it for good. Okay, 
because God intended for good. And, and I've said this before, that scripture in Romans that God works all things for the good of those who love him. Yes, he does. But I've said it before, it comes after that scripture about praying. So God works all things for the good of those who love him when they've prayed it so. Amen. And we can't walk in disobedience to God's principles and God's word and then just say, no, well, I'm going to sleep with my boyfriend um, as much as I want because God will forgive me on Sunday and then there'll be no consequences because he works all things for the good of those who love him. We can't do that okay that's a violation of God's word we're walking in disobedience at the end of it all if we repent and we turn back to him God can use it for our good but there'll still be consequences to work through amen okay so we can't say God intends it for good like that and we accept a hellish situation that way of thinking infects the God-given ability to discern the works of the devil with a human reasoning that is demonic in nature. In fact, it's not just discernment that is in question. This kind of breakdown in our assignment to spiritual maturity causes us to forget who the enemy really is and what we're actually fighting against. Jesus gave us all we needed to know in John 10. Listen up. The thief, who, who? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Who comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Who's the thief? The devil, right. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And I love how Bill Johnson says it. He said, it's not complicated. Loss, death, destruction are the things left behind when the devil has been given, an in, has been given influence in a situation. Jesus is the good shepherd. And what does that goodness look like? He gives us abundant life. Here it is, loss, death, destruction versus abundant life. One is bad, one is good. It shouldn't be that hard to distinguish between the two. And if that wasn't enough, John summarized why Jesus came to earth. 1 John 3 verse 8, the Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. That is why Jesus came. So when we look at our lives and we see destruction, we see sickness, we see ill health, we see frustration in terms of breakthrough, what are the, who is the author in most likelihood of those things? Sorry? Okay, so it's important we recognize that, okay? Okay. It's time to re-examine our belief system and find out what the Bible really teaches about the nature of, of God and it really comes down to this, that many have rejected the clear revelation of the nature of God that is seen in the person of Jesus Christ. That is seen in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the picture of the goodness of God. A friend of mine sent me this quote uh, this week. She said she was listening to a message by a lady called Krista Gifford. And this lady said this, if you are not anchored in the goodness of God, you will lower your theology to match your pain. If you are not anchored in the goodness of God, you will lower your theology to match your pain. And I think that's so true. And let's face it, people, sometimes we don't understand why someone is not healed. Um, in this particular book that I was reading by Bill Johnson, you know, Bill Johnson has been used quite extensively in healing. And many people have been healed of cancer in his ministry. And his father was a minister of the gospel for many, many years. And many people were healed in his ministry too. And guess what happened? Uh, Bill Johnson was away ministering in South America, I think, with Randy Clark. And he got a phone call that his father, who was part of his ministry, had gone in for a routine, uh, a minor sort of um, medical 
a procedure, and they discovered that he had pancreatic cancer. And so Bill Johnson received a release from Randy Clark, and he flew back home to go and be with his dad and be with the family. And to cut a long story short, six months later, remember, these men of God have, have been used by God to heal many people of cancer. You would imagine that his father would get healed, right? Well, his father didn't get healed. Six months later, his father passed away. And it was so interesting for me to read that testimony of what Bill Johnson says, because he's talking about the mystery of God. Just saying that there's some things that we will never understand the side of heaven. And we have to just come to that point of saying, well, I'm going to choose to stand on your word. He, they were believing for God's healing for his father. They kept believing, kept standing. But at the end of the day, his father passed on from cancer. <laughs> And he said at that time, at that moment, five minutes after he'd passed away, the whole family was in the hospital room. And he, got the, he led the, basically got them to sing uh, praise and worship. Because he said, there is a praise and there is a worship sacrifice in that moment that he will not have an opportunity to offer to God again. A costly offering of praise and worship. He said, in heaven, there's no pain. I will not have an opportunity to offer that to God, to stand in that hospital room and offer God praise for his goodness and worship for his goodness in the face of a mystery like that. That is something else to me. That is such a good example. What is he doing? He's choosing at that moment to say, I'm not elevating my experience above the word of God. I'm choosing to offer praise to God for his goodness. He is still good. I'm choosing to believe that whatever happens, I'm going to find out why in heaven. But while I'm on earth, I'm going to continue to heal people of cancer. Well, let God use me to heal people. Amen. And I love that. It's such a good picture of building our lives on the word of God rather than our experiences. Okay. So today I'm wanting to explore what the Word says about God's goodness and some of the wrong concepts that we have as His people. And I'm wanting to highlight how we can have faith toward this God. Okay, that's what I'm wanting to do this morning. And it's important. Why is understanding the goodness of God so important? It's really important that I understand His nature. It's really important that I understand His character and who He is and that He's faithful. Because if I don't have a good picture of that, how am I going to have faith toward Him? How can I have faith toward him if I don't know that he really wants the best for me? How can I have faith toward a God if I don't really believe that he's faithful toward his word? So that's why understanding his nature is so critical. It impacts my prayer. It will impact how I approach him in prayer. Whether I approach him like he's a headmaster or whether a stern headmaster with an electric prodder is going to prod me every time I step out of line. Or whether I approach him and he's a loving father and I can boldly approach the throne of grace to find grace and mercy in time of need. Amen. Okay, so why do some people struggle with the concept of the goodness of God? Why do people struggle with that concept? And I touched on this right when I started my introduction, but many people struggle in their walk with God and even in their faith in God because they, they can't see him as good. They see him as good in their minds, but in their hearts, they're really not, not 100% sure because of what they've seen, okay, or because of what they've experienced, or because of poor role models in their lives, okay. Maybe it's because they've been taught improperly by ministers of God, 
Okay? Maybe it's because they see God as an angry judge who's very demanding and impossible to please. But these are wrong concepts. Okay? Some other wrong concepts about God's goodness. A, God's goodness cannot be experienced. Well, the Bible says this, 1 Peter 2 verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, we can experience his graciousness. Psalm 34 verse 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Does it say, oh, taste and see only pastors that the Lord is good? What does it say? Oh, taste and see. Oh, taste and see only David that the Lord is good. Does it say that? No. You can put your name there. Oh, Tracy, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, Cindy, taste and see. Oh, Nomisa, taste and see that the Lord is good. We are all meant to experience the goodness of God. Okay? Another wrong concept, which I've touched on briefly, is that God's nature is not necessarily good, or it's good, but it's got some evil, because he sends evil, or he uses evil. Okay, Psalm 100, verse 3 to 5 says, Know that the Lord, he is God, it is he who has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is, sorry, the Lord is, the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. Okay, the Lord is good. And that word there, good, means good. Luke 18, verse 19, Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. So Jesus said, God is good. Another wrong concept. God only wants to give me bad things which don't satisfy. Now you might say, oh, no, I know that's not true. But many of us, especially young people, you know when we say you must be equally yoked, don't get into a relationship with a non-believer. Don't do that. You know, a lot of people think, oh, you know, God, God just wants to give me things that don't satisfy. No, that's not true. There's a reason why we say that, okay? And it can be applied into many situations in life. It's a wrong concept. The Bible says, Psalm 103 verse 5, that God satisfies our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles, with good things, Psalm 84, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Okay? Are you walking uprightly? Are you walking uprightly? Because the Bible says that no good thing will he withhold from you. Okay, Matthew 7 verse 11, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father in heaven will give good things to those who ask? Your Father in heaven who's good, who's really good. We think we're good as parents, but we are imperfect. Our heavenly Father is perfect. How much more will he give us good things? And I love the scripture from James 1 verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow, variation or shadow of turning. Every good. Say every good thing. Every good thing. Every good thing. You know, sometimes, thank you, sorry, every good thing. Okay. You know, sometimes I, do, I have a discipline. When I'm starting to pray, I like to start with thanksgiving. 
And I just think of good things, like maybe someone just gave me this or gave me that. Who's the, the Bible says that every good thing. So we were blessed with a CD last night. A lady gave us a, the latest Hillsong music CD, a friend of ours. That's a gift from who? Yes, it's a gift from her, but it's a good thing, right? Where does it come from? God, yes, every good thing. My husband is a good thing. Where is he? Who's he from? <laughs> he says true that. My kids are good things. Yes, they may try my patience sometimes, but they're good things. Who are they from? My dress, my clothes, my shoes, my house, you people. Who are you from? From the Lord, our worship team. Some of you know, all of you. <laughs> okay? If you can just, just pause right now and think of every good thing that God has given you. Think of the things that have given you joy this week. Every good thing. That's from your father. That's his nature. And he doesn't always say, ta-da, that's from me. That's from me. I put that idea in her, in her heart because I wanted to bless you. He doesn't do that. He just blesses you and he watches. And he probably waits, for some of us, it's a few years, thinking, I wonder when she's going to realize that these are actually from me. <laughs> you know? But God is good. He gives us good things. And there's no variation or shadow of turning. So he doesn't give me a good thing today and then tomorrow he's in a bad mood and he zaps me with an electric product because he's having a bad day. He doesn't change. Some of us have a good day. We're in a good mood and we think God is in a good mood. And then we have a bad day and we're in a bad mood and we think God is in a bad mood. He's not like you. He doesn't have bad days and have bad moods. Just because you're in a bad mood, he doesn't change his mood based on your, your mood. Amen. He's good. He's in a good mood. He loves you. And God's gifts are good because he knows us better than we know ourselves. You know, some of us want to pursue something and we can feel a little bit a niggle, this peace. Or someone speaks into our lives and says, you know what, this is not a good idea for you. But it feels good right now. It's fulfilling some type of fleshly need right now. And we can't see or understand how it could not be good for us. And in fact, it just feels too good right now to walk away from. Okay, but guess what? God is outside time and he already knows what is good for you. So I would prefer to trust him than to trust my own senses. Amen? When I was looking for a husband for the right man, and I was in church, and I thought to myself, and ladies, I really think you need to bear this in mind, when you find a guy that you're going to marry, remember, you're going to have to submit to him for the rest of your life. So don't choose good looks. Don't choose things that are temporal, because he might be good looking today, but in 10 years' time, he might not. <laughs> but guess what? You're going to have to submit to him, not one year, not two years, the rest of your life. So, so, this is what I'm saying. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. Amen? And you know what? Trust God. That is what I said. Lord, you know what? I can choose someone today because I think they look good. I think they are... Whatever, they flick my switch, they do whatever, whatever you might be looking for in a man. But guess what? You don't know what he's going to be like in 20 years' time. Do you? Your dude is unsaved. You don't know what he's going to be like in two weeks' time. Because he doesn't know the Lord. You don't know what he's going to be like 
after you say, I do. I was talking to a particular lady and her mom married a guy. Four days after they got married, her dad started beating, physically abusing the mom. Broke her jaw, all sorts of stuff. You don't know, but God knows because God is good. So I just want to say this, ladies, gents, trust God. If you are young, you are unmarried, trust God. He knows what is good for you. Amen. He knew what is good for me. Okay. And I'm quite strong-headed, <laughs> okay? And he knew who to give me. He knows who to give you. So God is good. He can see 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, and he knows what's good for you. He even knows what's will, what will fulfill you in terms of your desire, your dream, your destiny. If he closes a door, just trust him. Just trust him. You're not all-knowing. God is the only one who's all-knowing. And he knows and he's good, okay? Another wrong concept. Well, God just has evil intentions for my future. He just has, he just, there's something evil about his intentions for my future. No, the Bible says this, Genesis 50 verse 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about this day to save many people. God meant it for good. God brought me here for good. God knows how to, how to take your life and make it Good. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Many of us know that scripture, right? God's desire for us is for good. It's for good. And I just want to newsflash uh, about that particular scripture. Go and look at the context of it. Okay. Go and look at the context of it. The context of it is that the people were in captivity. It wasn't an ideal situation. And he was saying, pray for the peace of the place where you're at, because I have good plans for you. So wherever you're at right now, don't look to God to escape you out, because it's only good. The grass is greener. Whoops, on the other side. That's not always the case, okay? Where you're at right now, trust God. Pray for the people in your workplace. Pray for the people where you live. Pray where you are right now and say, Lord, bring about good in this situation right now. Okay, Romans 8 verse 28, we know that all things work together for, to good, uh, for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And I told you what comes in the couple of verses before that, right? If you've prayed it so, okay. So he does, but we need to pray it so. Okay, wrong concept. God only has good plans for others, but not for me. Psalm 145 verse 9, the Lord is good to? Sorry? The Lord is good to? Does that include you? Yes. yes, the Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. Okay, most of us, our minds are, more, are programmed to more readily receive failure and bad news than success and blessing and good news. Amen. Okay, but God has destined us for good when we understand His character and His nature Having faith in him for good things, for success, for breakthroughs, becomes much easier. Another wrong concept, God disciplines me because he's angry with me. No, Hebrews 13 verse 6 to 8 says, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. What is that saying? God disciplines you if you're a son. Okay, he does bring discipline. Okay, but he doesn't do it because he's angry. He does it because he loves us, right? 
Okay. Wrong concept. God created some bad things to bring evil to the world. I already discussed that. There's no evil that comes out of God. Okay. Genesis 1 verse 31 says, God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. God saw? Sorry? Everything that he made. Everything. Ladies, that includes you. Everything. Okay. Look at yourself and say, everything Everything. is good. In fact, it's not. It's very good. Okay, everything is very good that God made. So evening and the morning were the sixth day. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy and perverts the things that God created. God did not bring evil in the world. Man did. Okay, God is not the author of evil in your life. Okay, the consequence of man's original sin is the source. That's where evil came into the world. Okay. Wrong concept. God is angry with me for my sin. Well, what the Bible says is Psalm 103 verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Psalm 103 verse 9 to 12. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Do the east and the west ever, ever meet? No. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our sins from us. Will God ever change his mind about being good? No, he doesn't change. Malachi 3 verse 6 to 7, I am the Lord, I do not change. He doesn't change, okay? He won't change his mind about you. Okay, his character does not change. James 1, 17 to 18 is that a scripture that I, that, I, that I love. Whatever is good and perfect comes to us from above, who created all heaven's lights. Unlike them, he never changes. His goodness, he chose to make his own children by giving us his true word. Okay, and we became his choice possession. It's that scripture, God doesn't change. Okay, he doesn't change. He's, he's the author of every good and perfect gift. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His truth does not change. Psalm 40, verse 7 to 8, the grass withers, the flower fades because the breath of the Lord blows on it. But the word of the Lord stands forever. People, if we're going to build our lives on anything, let's build it on the word of God. Everything else is shifting sand. My experience is shifting sand. My experience of not experience, my experience of not receiving healing is shifting sand. My experience of not receiving a breakthrough in an area is shifting sand. My experience of not receiving an answer to that particular prayer that I've prayed for so many years is shifting sand. I have to build my life on the word of God. Amen. If I don't build it on the word of God and what it says about his nature and who he is, then I've got nothing. Okay. His ways do not change. Hebrews 3 verse 6. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and startled the nations and the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills bowed. His ways are everlasting. They remain the same. His purposes do not change. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Some of you in this room are waiting on promises of God that you've received and you're wondering about it saying, Lord, when is this going to happen? I've trusted you for so long. In fact, I can see some of you, you're kneeling down. Some of you are crying out to him, Lord, the situation has not changed. But the Lord says to you today, you stand and you you keep standing on my word. 
You stand and I will show you. You stand and keep standing and I will show you my arm. That's what, that's what God is saying to you this morning. Psalm 33 verse 11 says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. You know, sometimes we receive counsel from the word of God and it's uncomfortable and it's unpleasant and it's not what we want to hear doesn't tickle our ears. It doesn't give us the immediate pleasure that we want. It doesn't allow us to do what's really in our hearts to do. And you know what? You can push against that counsel. You can resist that counsel. You can disobey that counsel. But right here it says that it stands forever. So as long as you resist it, you're going to keep on resisting it and you're going to die before it changes. Because this counsel stands forever. It's not going to change. So can I give you a little clue? If you've received counsel concerning something, just, just change. If it's counsel from the Word of God, just bring your life into alignment with the Word of God. It will go easier for you, okay? We cannot resist God and expect things, expect Him to change, okay? He doesn't do that. His counsel stands forever, and He's good. So what He wants for us is good. Do I qualify to benefit from the goodness of God? Oh, yes, absolutely you do. Absolutely you do. Okay, many people think that somehow good things from God are for other people. The breakthroughs, the healings, the anointing, the ministry, the whatever it is, the businesses, the finance for other people. No, it's for all of us. If God has called us to that, he is not impersonal. He has fully adopted each one of us if we are born again, children of God. We've been adopted by a good father. Romans 8 verse 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So that's all of us. We adopted as sons and daughters. I love the scripture in Matthew 6. Verse 26 to 33, and I'm not going to read it all, but you know the scripture where it says, basically, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, but your father feeds them and clothes them. Are you not of so much more value than them? Our father knows what we need. He sees what we need before we ask him. It's talking about our father's heart and that he's good. And he says, and it says, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Think of the things that you need right now. What are you needing in your life? I'm not saying want. <laughs> I'm saying need. What do you need right now? Okay? Do you know what he's saying to you? Jesus says this. Your heavenly father knows that you need those things. He knows. And you know what he says after that? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all those things will be added to you. That's what Jesus says. God is good. Seek first his kingdom. Those things will be added to you. Okay. You can experience him personally as a God with feelings. A lot of us struggle to experience and connect with God and his goodness because we see him as impersonal. We see him as unfeeling. We see him as distant. Maybe, maybe we didn't have a father that we could approach. Maybe there's this big distance between us and authority. We were brought up like that. Children should be seen and not heard. And so we struggle to identify with a father who has feelings and we can be intimate with. Okay, but God wants that for us. He wants us to be intimate with him. 
with authority. The Bible is clear that God has positive and negative emotions, and we can engage with them and Him at that level. Zephaniah 3, verse 17, I love the scripture. It says, The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Say, He rejoices over me. He rejoices over me. Okay, we have some, he rejoices over some, I can hear over here. No, he rejoices over all of you. Okay, it says he rejoices over you with gladness. Not with he rejoices, but he's secretly a little bit sad because of that thing you did yesterday because you didn't have your quiet time and whatever. No, he rejoices over us with gladness. It says he will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Beautiful. So God has feelings about us. Okay, Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 4 verse 30, it says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he is the one who has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So how we live on a day-to-day -day basis from Monday through Saturday impacts, impacts the Holy Spirit, impacts how he feels. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can hurt him. Sometimes I can feel it. If I let something out my mouth, I know, ooh, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, said a God at my mouth. I know I shouldn't have said that. Sometimes it's a tone I have with the kids. Ooh, I'm sorry, Lord. And that's, he wants us to be sensitive to him like that because he's sensitive. He's sensitive, okay? He has emotions toward us. You can experience him as a God who identifies with you. Hebrews 4 verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Isn't that encouraging? That's encouraging for me when I think of fasting. Hey, you know, I struggle sometimes with fasting. And I think of Jesus, then he fasted for 40 days. And it says that, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to have done quite a bit and feel that thing, you know. He knows. He can identify. He can sympathize. But it doesn't give us an excuse to not do it. Amen. It's not an excuse to, to do the wrong thing, but he can identify. Another scripture I love, Hebrews 4 verse 16, you can enter his throne room boldly whenever you want. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may find, up, find mercy and obtain, we may find grace and obtain mercy in our time of need. So God is a good God. There is never a time when we cannot come to his throne. There's never a sin that I have done that, I, that means that I cannot come before him because the blood of Jesus is there for all of us for every single sin. I'm not talking about habitual willful disobedience where you're saying, well, I'll just keep on sinning because I know that he always forgives me. It's not a license. But there's nothing that I've done that I can't say, you know what, Lord, I want to turn away from this. And I want to come boldly before your throne of grace and just trust you for mercy and for cleansing. Because he's good and he doesn't change. And if you did it 57 times he and 77 times, he would still forgive. But it's not a license to keep doing it, but he's good. Amen. Okay, so all of these things that I've been saying about God's nature, and, and how can you talk about the goodness of God and cover it all in one sermon? You can't. But I'm hoping that some of these scriptures are, are, 
are just jolting us and speaking to various people and, and places in our hearts. Why am I saying all of this? I'm saying because we have to have faith toward God. And how can we have faith toward a God whom we don't know? And how can we have faith toward a God whom we think is somewhat evil or has some evil intentions toward us? It's very difficult. Amen. Okay, but faith toward God is essential, it's critical because it's impossible to please Him without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. We've got to have faith and, we've got to, and in order to have faith, I have to know who I have faith in and what I have faith in. I have faith in his word. Faith is a part of the foundation for our victorious Christian living. Hebrews 6 verse 1, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. So we have to leave elementary principles, leave that thing of being tossed to and fro by every experience that is contrary to what the word says. We move on from that and we say, you know what, Lord, I'm mature, I believe, I'm going to stand on your word and I know that you're good and I know that you're faithful to your word. Romans 1 verse 17 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Okay, so what is faith? Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And I'm bringing the whole thing to a close, by the way. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is agreeing with God's word through our confession and our lifestyle of obedience to it. Faith is trust, a firm persuasion, assurance, a firm conviction, confidence in another and in another's word. That is what faith is have to know who he is so I can have faith in him. R.A. Torrey states, to believe God is to rely upon or have unhesitating assurance of the truth of God's testimony, even though it is unsupported by other evidence, and to rely upon or have unfaltering assurance of the fulfillment of his promises, even though everything seen seems against that fulfillment. That is what faith is. How many of you know you have to know that God is good in order to have faith in some of these circumstances? Bill Johnson says faith doesn't deny a problem's existence. It just denies it a place of influence. Faith doesn't deny a problem's existence. If you've got cancer, you've got cancer. It just denies it a place of influence. We're going to keep standing on God's word until either you're healed or the other thing, <laughs> okay? <laughs> what do I do if I'm believing God for a spouse who is a Christian and that hasn't manifested? What do I do if I'm believing God for something as it hasn't manifested? What, what do I do if I'm believing God for healing and it hasn't manifested? What, am I, what do I do if I'm believing God for a salvation of someone, of a family member, and it hasn't manifested? What do I do? Do I give up and turn away and say, well, I think God just isn't good? Do I do that? No. I keep believing. I keep standing. Ephesians talks about having done all, stand. Amen. And that's the type of people that we are. We stand. We're not quitters. Amen. We don't give up. When the going gets tough, we don't get going. Okay? We don't, like, we don't leave the problem, but we stand. Amen. I was doing, I was doing a trainer set on my bike in the lounge the other night and I was counseling myself and it was really painful. You know what I was saying to myself? 
And I think this is what we gotta do. We, we've got to do. I was saying, it's painful. Did you expect anything less? Yes, it's painful, but when it's painful, that's when it counts. You are not going to get out of the seat right now. You are going to sit here until you reach the end of the, of the, of the set. You are going to finish because you are not a quitter. When the going gets tough, the tough get going, you know? I was basically counting. I thought to myself, oh, my word, my husband could probably hear me, and he could, <laughs> okay? But I was shouting it at the top of my legs. You are not getting out of the seat. Yes, it's painful. What did you expect? You are going to finish what you started. You are not a quitter. You do not quit when the going gets tough. You finish. That's who you are. That's who God made. You're going to trust in him, and he's going to make you strong. And that's how we got to counsel ourselves. I think sometimes in our minds, we start thinking negative thoughts, and we allow these negative thoughts, and we start meditating on negative things, and then we feel tired, and we feel even more tired, and then we just get off whatever we were doing, and we stop it. We've got to say, no, you are not a quitter. You are not a quitter. My mind knows that the word of God is true, so I will not let you stop believing. I'm going to not let you stop doing the right thing, because this is what the word says you've got to do. And sometimes we have to do that. Sometimes we have to tell our heart. Yes, you feel discouraged, but get up, get up and pray. Yes, you feel discouraged, but get up, get dressed, face the day and go to church. And I'm not saying that if you're depressed and you're clinically depressed, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that sometimes in the body of Christ, I think there's some of us who need to say, you know what, you need endurance. You know what, you need strength. You know what, you need to stand on the word in Ephesians that says, having done all, stand doesn't say having done all, if you get your breakthrough, then, then you can stand. No, it says having done all, stand. And you keep standing. And you keep standing. And you keep standing until you get that breakthrough. And if you die, you better die standing still, people. Okay. Not going to let the enemy get a victory. And you, and you stood and stood for 10 years and then you gave up. Well, what was all that about? We're not those people. Amen. We're not quitters in this church. Amen. Amen. We are people who believe what God says. We are people who believe the word of God. And that's what we're going to choose to believe above our experience. And if we don't see the breakthroughs and if we don't see people being healed, healed and if we don't see that stuff in the bank account that we should be seeing, we're still going to stand and trust God because where else can we go? <laughs> what else can we do? We can't do anything else. Okay. Ephesians 6.13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand it, having done all, stand. Okay. Can I explain why bad things happen to good people? Every situation. No, I can't. Can I always understand why some break breakthroughs take long for some people? No, I can't. Daniel, when he was fasting and praying, did he understand when he was fasting why it was taking so long for the angel to get to him? No, he didn't. Fortunately, the angel told him, well, there was the prince of Persia resisting me. You know, that's why it took so long. But we don't always have the benefit of that, do we? But you know what? If he'd given up, he wouldn't have got the breakthrough. If you give up, you will never get the breakthrough. I can guarantee you that. But if you keep standing and you keep trusting, you may just see God's goodness in the land of the living. Okay. Now, as I land this, I'm wanting you to think about some of those wrong concepts that I mentioned and whether you've believed or agreed with any wrong concepts about God and about who he is, whether you've allowed unbelief to creep into your heart in certain situations. I want you to just think about it. In fact, you can close your eyes, bow your heads.
I don't want you to be aware of other people. This is, this is now between you and God. It's not about your husband, ladies, men, I don't want, or your wife. I don't want you thinking about your spouse and how you know that they need to, to you know, sort themselves out. I want you to think about yourself only. This is between you and God. What concepts have you agreed with that are incorrect concerning God and his nature? And you know they're contrary to the word of God. Are there any areas in your life where you have altered your theology because of your pain and disappointment? Are there areas where you've changed the standard of what you believe? Where it's gone from what the word says to what you think is wise now because you, you don't think that the word is true and you don't think that God is who the word says he is. I want you to just think about that and... As you identify those things, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray with us, and you can agree with me if it applies to you. By the way, if, if any of those apply to you, can you just slip up your hand? Because I know I want to know I'm praying with. Yeah, there are a few people. Can you just agree with me? This is between you and the Lord, Father. We come before you this morning, and we we really want to we want to repent where we have had wrong beliefs concerning your nature, concerning who you are want to turn from that, Lord God. Lord, where we've altered our theology, where we've lowered our standards and our expectations of you because of our pain and our experiences and our disappointment, Lord, we want to turn from that this morning. We want to, want to make draw a line in the sand and say, Father, we're going to choose to build our lives on your word. We, we, we choose this morning to build our lives and to look to you as, you as you've explained and described yourself in the word, that you are good, that you have, you have good things planned for us, that you're the author of good, not the author of evil, Lord, that you're a good father, that you're perfect in all your ways, that every good and perfect gift comes down from you. And you don't change. You don't have bad days. You don't have bad moods when it comes to us, Lord. You haven't forgotten us. You see where we are. You know exactly where we are. And in fact, you rejoice over us with singing and with gladness and with dancing, Lord. So I thank you right now, Lord God, for shifting and a moving of furniture, of beliefs in our hearts and in our minds, Lord a moving around, a reordering, a realigning of our beliefs. Lord God, today we declare that we are those who, who want to stand in faith, who want to look to you, believe what you say you will do, believe who you said you are, Lord God. And come on, if you want a revelation of the goodness of God, you just lift up your hands to him this morning. Father, all of us lifting up our hands to you, we want to see your glory. Moses said, Lord, would you show me your glory? And you showed him your goodness. Father, we want to have a revelation of your goodness in this church. We want to have a revelation of your goodness in our families. We want to have a revelation of your goodness individually in our individual walks with you. We want to see you, Lord, as you really are, as you truly are. We ask for that this morning. Eyes to see and recognize the goodness of our Father. Father, I thank you and I declare a change of season over our lives. A season where we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. 
Father, where we've trusted in flesh, we repent of that. The Bible says that we won't see the good when it comes, when we trust in flesh. It says that in Jeremiah. But Father, we look to you and we choose to trust in you this morning. We don't trust in our own wisdom and our own ways. But we choose to trust you, choose to trust your word, choose to trust your nature. That we can see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And for some of you here this morning, there's actually a gift of faith that God is wanting to, for some of you it's to stir up, for some of you it's to impart, to deposit. For some of you it's a gift of faith in the area of business. For some of you it's a gift of faith to help you with miracles and healing. So Father, right now I thank you for that. Holy Spirit, thank you for this, an angelic presence in this place. They're angels, ministering angels. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your angels to deposit, to impart, to stir up that gift of faith, the spirit of faith within your people. Thank you right now. Some of you, he's, I can see some of you, he's replacing your a spiritual backbone. That's what it looks like. <laughs> With a solid backbone. Some of you have had no backbone He's giving you a backbone to stand. There's an endurance. There's a strength that is coming in some of your walks with the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you're making us those who will endure. That it's a, The Lord says that it's a season for my people to arise and to stand and to keep standing and to be those who will endure to the end. Those who will run their race with endurance. Father, I thank you that you make us that people that will run our race with endurance. That will run the, the path that you've set before us with endurance. I thank you for a strengthening right now, Lord God. A strengthening. I call forth faith. I call forth faith. Sally Ann, there are new levels for you, my dear. There are new, the Lord says to you, lift your eyes, lift your eyes. He's going to use you to ignite businessmen and women. He's going to use you to impart a spirit of faith. Oh, I thank you. I'm seeing gold on you and gold passing through your hands. Oh, Lord, I thank you for that. And I thank you for others in the congregation like that. We say, spirit of faith, arise. Some of you have tried this business thing. You've tried it and you've been knocked down. I even hear you. you you've said it either with your mouth or in your heart. I've tried it so many times. It's failed every time. The Lord says, try again. Lord says, try again. Some of you got to try this business thing again. The Lord is in it. The Lord is on it. The Lord will leave you, lead you. And he says, be careful who you partner with. Be careful who you partner with. Some of you have failed in business, not because of anything you've done, but because of who you've partnered with. Oh, yes, Lord God. So I thank you for that. Hey, E-Family, online family, that was a great message, wasn't it? We really want to fill the globe with all this teaching. Our passion is to raise leaders and release reformers. So if you want to tap into more of these teachings, you can go to www.gochurch.co.za. And I think you'll really be refreshed and reformed as you go through our materials. Well, if you enjoyed that message, click subscribe and also share with your friends, with your enemies. Don't forget... We've got the live feed that takes place 9.30 every Sunday morning.